Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What's going on? Jermaine Johnson. Tune in to Turn On The Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune in to the Turn On The Jets podcast. Everybody. Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPile11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Jets-Vikings week, one of the biggest matchups, uh, one of the biggest matchups of the weekend in the year for the Jets. And uh, pleasure to be joined by uh, Arif Hassan of uh, Pro Football Network, who covers the entire NFL, previously covered the Vikings. So figured uh, no better person to have on. Arif, how are we doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm excited for this matchup. Um, you know, obviously we got the World Cup going on. There's a bunch of good matchups. You know, as we're recording this, we got Patriots Bills tonight, um, which is a huge matchup in terms of, you know, for the Jets. But um, I kind of wanted to just start out here. It's been a crazy NFL season. The NFL is always crazy, obviously. You know, no shortage of things. You know, Aaron Rodgers, 9-11 stuff this week. There's been a lot going on. I know you've uh, <laughs> yeah. gotten yourself. Deshaun Watson's back. It's a lot. Yeah. But on a more positive note, we have a really good slate of games. And I think Jets Vikings is one of the best ones. Um, I guess let's backtrack this Viking season. They're not into new coach. I thought they should have blown it up in the off season. Frankly, I was like, Oh, you know, get rid of you know, move Kirk, move some of these guys. Like they're a year away from Justin Jefferson wanting out everything blowing himself up. And now they're in competition for the one seed. Where are you at with this Viking season as a whole? It's been pretty wild. Yeah, it's wild. I was actually kind of right there with you in terms of in terms of saying that they should blow it up. You know, I, I thought that, you know, they had an opportunity for kind of a clean break from the Kirk Cousins era, maybe, uh, you know, double down on on another quarterback and try to develop that guy when you have kind of that um, that leeway of being a new head coach. But, you know, obviously I was wrong about that. They're nine and two uh, and, and uh, they're almost mathematically assured the division. Right. I mean, it's just uh, you know, what, uh, two more wins or, uh, or a win and a loss for, um, Green Bay, I think. And then that's it. You know, the Vikings, the Vikings have it. So, um, yeah, it, it is pretty wild. Uh, you know, the wins, uh, have been pretty surprising and I don't just mean like in terms of who they beat, but you know, you, you check in on the team in the third quarter, they're down by two scores. You're like, well, I guess not, I guess this isn't the day. And then they come out and they, they end up with the, with the two score comeback game after game, after game, after game. Which uh, you know it drives a lot of the conversation about kind of how how genuine the Vikings are in terms of how good they are. But you know, for the most part, at least from a spectator standpoint, it has been really fun football to watch, right? Uh, just to kind of see all these games come down to the wire, these one score games where kind of every second matters, uh, and uh, and every player you know has to has to play a big role. You can't just come out to a big lead and then hope your your running back just kind of grinds it out. So um, it has been. Uh, a pretty interesting ride with the Vikings thus far, you know, seeing what they've done, 
seeing the improvements that they've made that you didn't expect, like along the offensive line, seeing the improvements they've made that you did expect, like along the defensive line. Uh, and, um, you know, just kind of, uh, just kind of trying to get a, a, a bead on kind of who they really are. Yeah. They're, they're a weird team in, in the aspect, you know, you mentioned it, a lot of those, I think they're, if I'm not mistaken, they're eight, no, and one score games, which, uh, seems unsustainable but obviously i think we've kind of all been saying that for weeks now and it feels like you know they continue to just be a really good team when it matters most and um i've been impressed obviously we knew justin jefferson you know dalvin cook i don't think is i think some people that don't watch the vikings every week it's not dalvin cook of maybe two or three years ago in my opinion but he's still very solid uh you know kind of second tier running back i would say he's not in that elite class anymore feeling kind of similar they're still a really good the hawkinson addition was still just don't really get the the move from Detroit. I'm not sure why you're giving a division rival one of your best assets. Um, defensively, though, the Vikings are a bit weird in, in terms of there's some star names, the Harrison Smith, Patrick Peterson's towards the end of their careers, obviously. You know, Zadarius Smith, Daniel Hunter, who are two guys having, you know, Zadarius Smith's having a really nice year by kind of any metric. Um, even Dalvin Tomlinson, Eric Hendricks as well, another guy who's like had his moment in the sun, it feels like, but they're kind of near the bottom, if not the worst, in pretty yeah. much every defensive category. So I don't know what to make of this defense because you see things like the clutch and, you know, the Buffalo game, Patrick Peterson's right there and they need him, but Buffalo still drove 80 yards like multiple times to get down there. And oh, yeah. down choked. So I don't know what to make of this defense. It, it is it is a difficult one to get a handle on, just like the, the team as a whole. But, you know, you, you talk about all these talented players and you ask questions like, hey, you know, Harrison Smith has this great reputation. He's, you know, deserved it. He's been one of the best safeties in the NFL for a long time. Is he playing that well this year? And for the most part, the answer is yes. When you go like player by player, like Daniel Hunter, maybe he didn't start off the season very well, but, you know, these last four or five, six games have all been really excellent for him, right? So Darius Smith has been playing well all season. Dalvin Tomlinson, when he's healthy, missed the last two games because of a calf injury. When he's healthy, you know, he's been having a really good season. So you take a look at all these players that are really important to the team that have a strong history of, 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 of high-level play, and you ask if they're actually playing well this year, if it's the reputation, for the most part, they are actually playing well this year, which, you know, leads us to the question, like, why? Why, why is it that the Vikings are allowing so many points? Why are there so many, you know, drives that they're giving up? How are they so low in the number of three naps they force? You know, why is the scoring rate so high? And I think part of it is that, you know, I, I think that the coordination, you know, from, from Ed Donatel has, has been an issue. I think that, getting all of those players uh, into the right positions to be the most impactful has been a big problem. Like if Harrison Smith is a really high level safety that he can do anything, he can, you know, rush the pastor, defend the run, play man coverage, play slot, play, you know, zone coverage, play single high, play box, whatever. If he can do all of those things uh, and you're only having him do one thing and he's doing that thing really well, he's doing his job, you know, does that help the defense? Not, not really. Right. Uh, and, and it's kind of a lot of those situations. Like Eric Hendricks is not playing as well as, as his, his, as his highest moment, but that's not the reason that they're losing points, right? The reason that, um, you know, they're, they're missing out is because there are, you know, underperformances from key players, like, you know, Shannon Sullivan's playing pretty poorly. Jordan Hicks is not living up to his contract. You know, the, the corner opposite Patrick Peterson was originally Cam Dancer. He went on IR. So they replaced him with Andrew Booth. He went on IR. So they replaced him with, uh, with uh, Caleb Evans, who played actually pretty well, despite being the, the, the second backup. Uh, and then he got a concussion. So he was out for two games. Uh, and uh, and then it was uh, Duke Shelley who they grabbed off the Bears practice squad, who for a guy that you just grab off of another team's practice squad played lights out. But I mean, that's just that for his expectation, right? He still got toasted. So like, you know, there, there are situations like that where there's some individual weak spots on the defense, but 
some of the players that are playing well sometimes uh, are, are are miscommunicating and it looks like someone else is at fault, right? I mean, Cameron Dancer had this problem and Caleb Evans had this problem where their handoffs and zones led to, um, you know, big blown coverages and stuff like that where you don't really know who to blame. And so, but, you know, typically it's been been those younger corners uh, and, and, you know, they've given up some stuff up the middle, like when the defensive line rotates in, right, when it's no longer Zedarius Smith, Daniel Hunter, Devlin Thompson, Harrison Phillips, it is a very weak unit. It's kind of like the opposite of the Jets right now. They don't have any rotation along the defensive line, so they're giving up big games there too. So, you know, there's a lot of things at the edges, plus usage concerns about what you're asking, you know, these players to do. If they're playing, if they're doing their jobs well, but their job is not particularly valuable, your defense isn't good. So, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the uh, it's the situation that I think the Jets found themselves in last year was a lot of let's figure out if these younger guys have any juice. Um, some of them did. Most of them did not. Obviously, they have day three picks and, you know, UDFAs and one year vet guys. Those guys are obviously now gone. There's virtually eight new stars on this defense. So um, but the first two and a half you know weeks of the year, they're trying to blitz and be this diff defense that frankly didn't fit what they were meant to be doing they stopped blitzing pretty much entirely and they just rush with four and play a multitude of different coverages and they're just really good at it um but the beginning of the year was like oh Quinn Williams is good but we're not letting him do anything so it's like he's doing his job well we're asking him to but this job isn't exactly well suited I want to just touch on the Vikings offense before we get to the Jets but you know the Vikings offense to me is they've done a really good job of moving Justin Jefferson around as any good offensive coordinator should be able to use a piece like Justin Jefferson. It feels like a little bit what you the know. Packers have done with Devonte mm -hmm. in the past where a lot of slot he's moving in side to side. So you can't, you know, you still give him some matchups. Um, the offensive line, I feel like played pretty well throughout the year, but with Christian Darisaw, I mean, I would be pretty surprised if Darisaw plays on Sunday, you might know better than me, but if you have two concussions in four days, um, Usually it feels like that's probably not a good mix for you playing the next week. Um, so there's that. And I just wanted to ask you, you know, obviously Kirk is a guy that's so, he's just so, so difficult to kind of characterize and what he really is as a quarterback. His numbers are really good and the team's usually generally pretty successful, but he's obviously not at that elite level, but his numbers are pretty elite, but you know, he still makes yeah. the interception as Zach Wilson would make. So I guess just offensive line wise, are you, like, where are they at? Because with Starisaw injury, and then I guess the, um, how do you kind of encapsulate Kirk? I guess I know it's not the easy. I'm sure we could talk for four hours about Kirk. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I've written some pretty long articles on just that question alone. So it, it does get kind of difficult and complicated. I'll get to that in a second. But the offensive line, when, you know, Christian Darisaw is healthy, I mean, he is going to use PFF's highest graded tackle. And I think that that wasn't unfair. I thought that he was playing really well and they put him in some really difficult spots and he succeeded he did a really good job they would isolate him from the rest of the offensive line they never give him help um they have you know the rest of the offensive line play you know you know area blocking types like slide coverages right um slide blocking and then they would just have derisaw take the most dangerous man closest to him and uh i mean he would succeed he would do a really excellent job without him they have to kind of switch up what the blocking scheme is doing and blake brandell another guy kind of like duke shelley where if you kind of know what the expectations are you're impressed but in terms of the value that that provides, it's not a ton, right? You know, he's not, you know, he's, he's going up against some of these high level pass rushers, right. And he's getting toasted, right. Which is like what you'd expect. He's doing better than a lot of backup offensive tackles would do, but there's a limit to how much that can get you. So um, that has been an issue. Uh, Ezra Cleveland has been playing pretty well at left guard. Garrett Bradbury is probably playing the best football of his life. That is not, you know, particularly high bar to clear. Uh, 
Um, so, uh, you know, it, he's still kind of a liability in the middle. He's being protected. I know his PFF grade is pretty good, but he's being protected by the fact that, you know, they had that kind of slide protection. And now that that's gone, he's getting uh, kind of exposed a little bit again, um, like he had been for the past couple of years. You know, he's just not a very good pass protector. He can get out in space and move. He's really valuable on a lot of these zone runs. But for the most part, as a pass protector, he's been an issue. And that Ed Ingram, the, the rookie that they grabbed from LSU in the second round, is just not been good. He's been um, probably the weakest link of that offensive line, and he's given up a lot of interior pressure. Um, you know, teams have begun attacking him specifically, just like they did with the guy that was that was playing his job last year, Ole Udo. Uh, and, you know, they've been sending – and the problem is he's been beaten in basically every way. He's been beat with power. He's been beat with finesse. He's been beat with speed. It's It's tough, right? And so – they just sometimes send their best pass rushers after him. And, and very often it works. Sometimes he'll step on Kirk Cousins, feet that results in a sack. So he has, I think two sacks. Uh, <laughs> if, if, if scores were willing to give offensive linemen credit for sacks, he'd have two of them. Um, and Brian O'Neill is playing really well. You know, he uh, entered the season with the expectation that he'd be a top three right tackle. I don't know if, if that's where he's at. I don't, I don't say he'd be up there, but he is, you know, a really high level right tackle, even if he's not maybe, you know, top three, you know, he's not like maybe Lane Johnson or Ryan Ramchick level, but he's uh, a really good right tackle. And and sometimes they'll isolate him from the rest of the line too. And so you've got these three guys bunched up in the middle blocking whoever, and then you've got your two tackles just wide, way wide of the rest of the line. It looks kind of weird uh, taking on these speed rushers. So they've been doing a, a pretty decent job there, but that interior has been a big issue. And then without, you know, Christian Derrissaw, who I think impressors uh, today and yesterday, you know, the Vikings have been very uh, cautious about kind of describing kind of where he's at, whether or not he's going to play, which I think, like you said, is a good indication that he wouldn't play, you know, this week. So that offensive line's an issue. Yeah, no, it's it's a matchup. I was, I'll get into, obviously, after we kind of talk about Kirk. But this, this Jets D-line has kind of, for the most part, outside of one or two games, been a pretty – it's been it's been awesome. I don't know what like, – yeah. there's not really another way to say it. Um, and where the Jets are best is – their best defensive player but as much as sauce is awesome and we'll get to that but Quinn Williams is their best defensive player and he's going to be matched up they're getting Sheldon Rankins back who's been out for the last couple of weeks he likely will play we'll see I mean he's practicing so I don't I would be he didn't go on IR so there's not really a reason he wouldn't play at this point right. um but Quinn Williams versus Ed Ingram is a, a pretty awful matchup for the Vikings and I'm sure the Jets are going to do whatever they can to get you know him lined up there and if they try to double Quinn Williams it gives you know, Bryce Huff, who's got the highest win rate. I know he's a third down guy, but he's got the highest win rate of any player in the NFL, according to PFF, for the edge, you know, for edge rushers. But I guess let's get to Kirk real quick, and then we can talk about that. Like I said with Kirk, it's frustrating because, you know, there is the Jets connection. He obviously used the Jets as kind of a way to, to get more money out of Minnesota. And none of these guys were here for that, so it's not going to be – like that's not like a thing. Like, I think they were all yeah. – like, I don't think people really care quite as much as, you know, they cared about the Tyreek thing, the Jets guys, but that was because he blatantly is in their division and was like – talking shit about the Jets publicly, which isn't going to go out. I don't think Kirk's really done that. That was five years ago. And yeah, no, I, I don't it's, think so. It's, I think it's the, the expiration dates up on that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the Kirk controversy mostly extended to just the Jets beat a couple yeah. of years ago when the Vikings first, uh, you know, played in, in New yeah, York. They so. played the year after him, right? Like it was over. Yeah. It, that, we, yeah, we and, moved on. And it was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> over. Cares. It's over. Yeah. But how do you kind of, uh, I guess, encapsulate Kirk just because he's, like I said, he's so con- just hard to figure out. So this year we have kind of a different play style for Cousins, which makes this conversation uh, a lot more difficult. But 
Um, Cousins has been criticized for his performance in, you know, primetime games, which is kind of a difficult one to really talk about because, you know, what can you say other than that, that it's true? Like, it's difficult to, like, you know, explain why or whether or not it's something meaningful or whether it would continue going forward. But some of the more interesting criticisms involve, you know, whether or not he can lead comeback drives, whether or not he's got the ability to to win in two-minute situations, how good he is in situational football, generally speaking, um, you know, whether or not he's got any improvisational capability, what his situational awareness was. And those repeatedly time and again showed up. I mean, like a, a pretty good example is just in two-minute drills very often, he would take those wide open throws over the middle of the field without any timeouts left, you know, because that's where the read took him, right? He was a very robotic quarterback. The read was open. The, the receivers there and it's like well there's a reason they're not covering that guy it's because you're going to drain 30 seconds off the clock throwing that ball and now you're not going to be able to win right you know that that's the kind of stuff where it's like he doesn't he doesn't adjust how he reads defenses based off of you know the situation it led to some problems where he would throw short of the sticks on third down a little bit too often it led to you know two minute problems both in terms of uh you know being quick when you need to be quick or draining clock when you need to drain clock those are all problems and so it was really difficult for the vikings to hold on to leads or to gain leads when they were behind in the fourth quarter that was a big problem but in standard situations he was a really high level quarterback you know very accurate um pretty good arm i mean the the standard for what constitutes a really good arm strength in the nfl has risen over the past five years so it is it is kind of difficult to characterize cousins as arm i think that right now against most quarterbacks in the league it's below average but five years ago i'd say it was an above average arm right it, it, it's a really difficult thing but you know he, he's got you know a pretty good speed on the ball he's got good accuracy he reads defenses well enough sometimes it takes him a little bit of time to get rid of the ball but that's mostly a play action thing this year he's gotten rid of the ball faster um he's much better in improvisational situations he's much better with situational football he leads the league in fourth quarter comebacks and in game winning drives um, and it, it, it shows up when you kind of break down how exactly he's going through his reads in those situations where he does a better job, you know, flinging the ball to the sideline, knowing that a contested catch on the sideline that might fall incomplete is better than a wide open catch over the middle that is definitely going to be complete, right? He's doing a better job figuring out what he needs to do. The problem is in those standard situations where he's doing a standard drop back on first down, just the middle of the second quarter, and he needs to read the defense. Give it a, he's worse, and I don't know why. It's very weird. But he, statistically, this is the worst season he's had in the Vikings uniform. Um, the reason that the Vikings have to have all these fourth quarter comebacks is not because they're behind the whole game. They lead the league in in first drive touchdowns. They've said seven of their nine opening drives ended in touchdowns. It's like they lead the league and then and then some. Like they lack the competition there. And then in the second quarter, they stall. And then the third quarter, they lose points and they they fall behind. And the reason in part, obviously the defense is playing a big role in this, but the reason in part is in the second and third quarter, Cousins is just not playing all that well. Uh, and yeah. so you just have a completely different quarterback than you've had the past three or four years. Really difficult to get an understanding of what's happening. Yeah, he's a guy that, like I said, he's so confusing because he's almost like flip-flopped. And um, another reason, like you mentioned, you know, that first quarter and the Vikings offense that's passed in the beginning and end of the games, the Jets defense has given up, I believe, three total passing touchdowns the last three or four weeks. I know the fourth quarter, they haven't given up a touchdown in eight straight games. Like, this is going to be a true matchup of, they yeah. started slow against the Bears. I think that was a lot, like, they kind of self-admittedly were like, we weren't really sure what to do when the offense was on the field for so long in the beginning of the game, um, <laughs> which was which was a not-so-shuttle-shot shot at Zach, which I, I – yeah, a lot of these things have been, but yeah, no, Kirk, like I said, this offense is going to be really interesting. Kirk still has that one or two plays a game. It's whether you catch him and whether you, it's just yeah. his brain just doesn't yeah. work. And it's, it's frustrating because the two, 
the Eagles game is obviously encapsulates like when Kirk's bad, that's you, you can't have that. And I think if you're a Jets fan, you're saying like, how can we copy the Cowboys Eagles blueprint, get pressure with four quickly, kind of make Kirk speed up his clock, hold on to the football a little bit longer. And like, you got to get these pocket quarterbacks. You got to get their clock sped up much quicker and not let them get comfortable. Um, I wanted to kind of just move to the Jets side of things and, you know, looking at the Jets, you know, traditionally, obviously the last five, 10 years, it's been a mess. But last year it kind of felt like people were like, all right, I think they think we have, they have the right GM. I think they have the right coach. We're not really sure. And then they weren't great last year. And it was a lot of like this, we like the off season. We like these drafts. All these things are great. We haven't seen it kind of nothing's happened. Um, they start slow again. They get Baltimore runs them over in week one and, Week two, they have a miraculous comeback, but no one really, it's just like fun. It wasn't, no one, no one's buying it. Week three, they lose again. You're like, dude, this is, <laughs> we might be in for sort like now they're seven and four though, a win here. They're playing Buffalo for first place in week 15. Like, I guess, what are your kind of, right? It's crazy. And the, probably the best division in football this year where every team's above 500, any, you have the best coach of all time and three guys that probably win coach of the year, multiple MVP candidates, rookie of the years on both sides. It's, it's nuts. Um, what are you kind of impressions, I guess, of the Jets? But I know you mentioned defensive line earlier. Uh, I mean, it is just a, a stacked roster. It's a really good roster, right? I think, you know, early on, it was kind of easy to say, especially after, you know, week two, about week three, week four, week five, it was really easy to say, you know, the Jets are being carried by Brees Hall, right? It was very easy to just look at these explosive runs and say, you know, this is kind of the core of it. But you take a look at, at how a lot of these individual players are playing. Like you said, Garrett Wilson's a candidate for, you know, offensive rookie of the year. It's probably between him and Olave, right? Which is, you know, kind of nice for, I think. kind of cool, the, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, Elijah Moore now freed from the shackles of Zach Wilson. <laughs> oh, my God. It's uh, bad. It's bad. pretty good. Um, you know, the Jets uh, know how to use Braxton Berrios better than the Patriots did. You know, there's that's um, that's pretty cool. Denzel Mims will show up every so often. That's kind of nice. Um, you know, and, and I think that that offensive line, it's, you know, it's not the offensive line that I think a lot of Jets fans wanted to have entering the season, but it's playing pretty well anyway. Um, and, uh, you know, when you've got like a fourth round rookie playing right tackle, you're always, you know, got a reason to be scared. But I think that, that you know, you're in a pretty good spot, um, you know, regardless um, I was actually, I was talking to, uh, you know, earlier today, I was on a podcast, Minnesota football party, and we were talking about, you know, uh, what would, you know, what the future of the NFC North is. And, you know, one issue was that the Detroit Lions have a great roster and no quarterback and Chicago Bears have a great quarterback and no roster. And it'd be pretty dangerous if you entered that. I think that the Jets are very similar. They have a better roster than the Lions, right? But they're pretty similar in that once the Jets find a quarterback and, you know, there's always the Aaron Rodgers rumors, right? But, uh, you know, once the Jets have a, a better a quarterback, I mean, this team's going to take off and compete for the division right away. Um, I mentioned that defensive line. It's probably the deepest defensive line in the league, especially with Sheldon Rankins coming back. You know, seeing, seeing the two rookies, a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick, um, as rotational guys that just show up when they need to show up and, and do stuff when you need to rest John Franklin Myers and, and Carl Lawson, who are – I mean, Franklin Myers is having a phenomenal season, right? So under the radar, it's one of those, he's one of those guys that he's going to put up between seven and 10 sacks, but he's really good against the run. He's really good rusher. He gets pressure. Yeah. He just really good at his job. And he had one stupid, two stupid penalties this year that were ticky tack. And now fans are like, oh, you suck. It's like, I don't oh, think he's, he's great. They're wrong. He's great. <laughs> he doesn't suck. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and, and, you know, finding a way to use Solomon Thomas correctly, which has been kind of a struggle, I think, throughout his career is, is helping out, you know, in their rotation. And like Quentin Williams is legitimately 
in the same conversation as Aaron Donald as, as with the best defensive tackle in football, which is just wild. And Aaron Donald might retire at the end of the year. So, you know, it's kind of a bright, bright future as far as, you know, kind of all pros are concerned. So I really like that. Obviously, uh, you know, Sauce Gardner is having uh, an incredible season. Um, you know, this, if Derek Stingley were healthy, it still wouldn't be a conversation in terms of kind of who, at least as rookies, is the better player. And it's really difficult to find people who move like Sauce Gardner does at the size that he does and, and knows kind of what, what his long arms can do. There's a lot of corners with long arms have no idea what they can do with them, right? You know, Gardner does a really great job of, of figuring out what to do there. Um, DJ Reed has been a fantastic pickup. I mean, it's, I, I don't know if the comparison is fair, but the first thing I thought of was, you know, you got, you know, Darrell Rebus would shadow Sauce Gardner doesn't, but you've got, you know, Darrell Rebus, maybe Antonio Cromartie situation with how well DJ Reed is playing. It maybe doesn't quite hold up there, but it is a great cornerback two situation to have. Uh, Michael Carter too is playing pretty well in, in the slot. Um, I, I don't know. This is a good team. Jordan Whitehead makes some plays. I'm not as impressed by him as I am by everybody else, but he does, you know, show up, make some plays. Quincy Williams is back. I, I know he was gone for a little bit. Um, an, another person that the Jets know how to use that his previous team did not use, right? Um, CJ Mosley is playing probably the best football since his sophomore season, second year with the Ravens. You know, he'd been, he dropped off a little bit, signed too expensive of a contract with the Jets, didn't do well at the beginning. And then now he's playing well again. So, um, you know, this, this is a team that is, it is, it is very hard not to respect, right? The, the running back situation has, um, you know, been both sad and happy, really. Right? Like it's, it's, it sucks that you don't have Brees Hall. Uh, you trade for James Robinson. It was kind of a weird situation. He's a healthy scratch. And it turns out, you know, you've got Bam Knight, you've got Ty Johnson, you know, they're, they're doing really well. Um, I don't know what the health status is for Michael Carter. Um, is, is he gonna, is he, uh, he isn't, uh, it's, I would be pretty surprised. I mean, he, they said he's day to day, but like, it's not a high ankle sprain, which I guess gives you hope, but even he It'd be him or James Robinson will be the third back. I yeah. just can't. I mean, yeah. you'd like to see have Carter over Robinson, but at the end of the day. Right. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's nice. I mean, like uh, if I could upgrade the Jets outside a quarterback, I mean, you know, maybe I'd make that offensive line a little bit healthier or I'd get them kind of a real tight end. I'd like Uzoma. I like Conklin a lot, but, you know, get, you know, having a threat there would, it would always be nice, but this is, this is just a good roster, you know, top to bottom. It's really difficult to find a ton of weaknesses. Yeah. They're, their roster that's it's, it is pretty crazy you look at the shanahan tree this year and his like staff from from two years ago looks fantastic it makes you want to hire D'Amico ryan's even more knowing that the best defense in football that robert Sala brought over there they have all that talent they built it up he left and they're still the best defense now the jets are probably a top three defense it's like eh, mike mcdaniels leaves it's, you know the other you know that's the 49ers east um you know with faster I guess receivers. Um, I, I like. I, I agree with you. I, I'm pretty much the entire. Ro- I like the roster is really good. Uh, I think everyone thought the roster had a chance to be really good in probably 12 months. I don't think anyone. You know, we talked to the combine. We were. You know, everyone was excited about Sauce, but I, I don't think it was fair to expect him to be an All Pro level right corner. I I'll be honest. I I did not think the world of these guys coming into the season. Right. I mean, I. I had high hopes for Sheldon Richardson. I like how Quentin Williams finished the season, but like John Franklin Myers was just a guy to me, right? Carl Lawson was near the end of his career. CJ Mosley has been putting together, you know, disappointing season after disappointing season. Quincy Williams should have been an undrafted free agent. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, just... That was an insane draft pick at the time. <laughs> yeah, <it was>. yeah. <laughs> so you know, I was, I was, I was like, what's going on? Ashton Davis isn't going to start. You're telling me he's not going to play. What's going on at safety? DJ Reed is fine. Like this was just not a roster that I, 
uh, Michael Carter too um, is just not a guy that I thought would hold up at, at, at cornerback at the NFL level. He's doing so. This is this is just definitely a roster where nearly every player that I that I was not really high on ended up turning in really great performances. Some of the players that I'd been high on previously, um, I've just been disappointed. Like Nathan Shepard, I I thought you know was going to be great. Solomon Thomas, you know, with the 49ers, I thought was going to be really good. Um, and uh, and you know they didn't turn out. And so if you told me you tell me that's going to happen, you know I wouldn't have thought of much. I mean I. I was confident in Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. I was confident in um, uh, Brees Hall, but you know, it, a lot of these players, I just thought were at the near the end of the career or were just not guys that there was a lot of talent left to extract. And so it's been um, yeah, humbling for me as an analyst, but also just really surprising and cool to see. Yeah, no, it's, it, it is for sure. And I think like now the jets going forward here have pretty clear, you know, obviously this year is all that matters right now, but going forward, there's for the first time in a really long time, there's a clear, we have. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 20 of the 22 star, 18 of the 22, 22 starters we, we think we can make a Super Bowl run with. It's can we, you know, we'll figure out quarterback and we'll get to Mike White in a second. Can we figure out if that's a real thing in the next seven games and, and we actually move forward or is it Case Keenum in, you know, 16 or 15, whatever year that was with the Vikings where it's like, this is he's good enough because this roster yeah, is good just enough. With it. <laughs> or is he like is he actually legitimately good? Um, yeah, the offensive line, you know, ideally, obviously Elijah Vera Tucker's back, and you know, they have a they'll probably have a, you know, maybe it's this offensive line the way you know, eventually you're gonna have to replace Dwayne Brown. Um, but you know, Tyler Conklin, you know, revenge game. We'll see what happens. Uh, he's been he's been an interesting player. The first couple of games he had like the yips almost is like every time he touched the ball, he'd fumble or drop it, and then he kind of like figured, like snapped, and now he's been really good or at least as a pass catcher. I mean, he was a really good pass catcher last year for the Vikings. It's just, he's probably not your 
he's not your ideal uh, lead yeah. blocker on, on outside zone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which, safe to say. Um, but yeah, like safety and, and probably additionally a linebacker, even Quan Alexander, who, you know, knock on wood, has been a guy that's was an awesome football player, just was barely ever healthy. And he got like yeah. all his blood work done and all this stuff. He was eating the wrong food. I mean, I don't know how much I always buy that stuff, but, um, right. yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. something, something changed for him. I guess the, the you know, the million dollar question or eventually it's going to be is Zach Wilson, you know, I guess my take is of December 1st is, it's much more likely Mike White's competing with a Jimmy G, Derek Carr type at this point next year in camp than Zach Wilson is on the Jets. Um, just sometimes when things don't go well, I think he just it just doesn't go well, and you, you kind of have maybe New York's not for everybody. I guess it, I don't know how else to say it. Like it's just not. Um, <laughs> hey, you might you might get punched you, in the jaw. Yeah, exactly. I, I I don't need to get to that. Like once we get there, it's it's over. So um, I guess two parts of one: the impressions are just Mike White and like how sustainable is this type of stuff and be like, are you surprised Zach has, I guess, failed the way he has, or is it just like, didn't love him coming out? A lot of people didn't love him coming out. And now it's like, yeah, see, I told you so, which is always yeah. a, always a it's, fun game. <laughs> it's, it was a little bit of both. I, I, I did like Wilson's tools coming out. Um, his, his pro day throw. I don't know if you see, if you know which one I'm talking about. Oh, it I know. Blew my <laughs> mind. <laughs> <laughs> it was fantastic but you know I, I i watched him at byu and i was like okay well this entire offensive line is 26 years old and, and they're good as hell right <laughs> and and they're dominating people. people and uh and so he gets like three seconds of the pocket and then he scrambles out and uh and then he unleashes an incredible throw to some guy who's also like 24 right like they're just dominating the coastal carolinas of the world right um and I, I like the tools. I, I like, you know, his, his, his arm strength. I thought that, you know, in terms of uh, how well he read defenses, there was kind of an issue there, but, you know, he wasn't in a real offense anyway. Um, I, this was the kind of guy that like, you can't not draft him in the first round, but the nature of the NFL is such that first round players start. And uh, this is a guy that, that I thought needed to sit for a while. Uh, and uh, I don't know that it's fixable now. I mean, a guy who, is seeing ghosts, right? <laughs> you know, uh, a, a guy, a guy who um, is getting his kind of bad habits ingrained into him that it would be really difficult to 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 unteach. That's problem. Obviously, as 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 a young player, you know, he's he's learning leadership and and uh, learning it the hard way, I guess. Um, you know, it's not an excuse. I've seen younger quarterbacks take on locker rooms better than he has, but um, you know, potentially he can he can learn how to be a leader, but he certainly isn't one now. Um, and, uh, you know, th those are all kind of related, but fundamentally, I just don't think that he was just ready to start. Right. And, and some players, um, can survive that Josh Allen did a really good job, not being ready to start turning into a really high level starter. Um, but Allen found ways to improve. Right. And, and I, I haven't seen that yet for Wilson. So, um, that's, that's kind of my take. I, 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 I liked him as a guy you could have on your team that you could develop. I did. I, and I knew exactly where he would need to go if you wanted to have him. And I didn't like where you, where you would take him because of, of kind of the systemic pressures of being forced to start him. So, is, yeah, I was going to say, it is crazy. Look at number two and number three overall in that draft and both the definition of toolsy small school guys that everyone falls in love with, whether it's Trey Lance or, or Zach Wilson. And I frankly don't know if we'll ever see either play for their teams again. Like I don't, 
like what like for if you're the San Francisco 49ers like you very well could win the the title this year you're not letting Jimmy G walk like it's just not gonna like it, maybe they do but like to optically Trey Lance Trey Lance Trey Lance will have not really played football in almost four years because of COVID he didn't play basically that whole year then he sat out pretty much all of last year and now he's missing all this year who knows if he'll be healthy Zach Wilson is a guy who needs time to play which I get like the reasoning right you want to see these guys play you want them to learn trial by fire but the Jets were not good last year, and Zach, all Zach's bad habits, he kind of fixed them a little bit towards the end of the year. You're like, okay, the Bucs game, I see it. Looking back, the Bucs game may have been slightly overrated um, because he made a crucial mistake at the end that cost him the game, but, like, whatever, you could build on that stuff. And then it felt like he came back from, you know, there was a week stretch in camp where he looked really good, and it was like maybe the light bulb just came on. But when similar Joe Flacco in camp, when no one can hit you, you look a lot better. Um, you know, Mike White's a guy that looks better in games. It feels like than practice because he has good fundamentals. So a blitz isn't going to bother him. I know it's the bears and Vikings fans will have seen this bears with team before. They're not very good. <laughs> um, were you impressed though with what Mike White was able to do uh, on Sunday? And I feel like, you know, I've said this, and I think a lot of people have said this at this point, the Bengals game last year was fun and I get it. And the Colt beginning, the Colts game was fun. The Bears game was like legitimately a really well quarterback football game. There was no like, oh, this is unexpected. Like he was just really good. Like I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah, um, I I liked him a lot coming out. Um, a, a lot of these guys, from the, especially Western Kentucky, right, were like Bailey Zappi, Brandon Doty, Mike White. They throw it one hundred fifty thousand times a game. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, a lot of these guys have very similar. And Gardner Minshew actually same system, right? Um, up in Washington State. A lot of these guys uh, have very similar profiles because they were not well recruited, right? And so you don't get the guys with the strongest arms, but you get guys that read defenses really quickly, especially within the system that they're in. Um, and you get guys that are reasonably accurate. And if they win the starting job, probably a good chance that they've got good anticipation. Um, and also they play like four or five wide all the time. Um, the offensive line only pass protects um and uh teams kind of learn not to blitz them right and so they, they all have very similar profiles and it's very easy to fall into the trap to to compare them to bailey zappi or brandon Doty and, and see um he has a bit of a stronger arm than those guys which is really nice to see um he's got i, I think a little bit of better anticipation than than those guys except for maybe gardner um and he's got better accuracy than gardner right so he's, you know that kind of helps with that um but um i you know he went what in the fifth round to dallas right um, I probably would have drafted him in the third round. I liked him. I can say that now that he's good, right? But I, yeah. I can... yeah, I would have taken him in the first round. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I had Tom Brady as my top quarterback. Like that. <laughs> but yeah, that's the Mike Tannenbaum story. He was begging the table for Parcells to draft him to the Jets. Well, unfortunately, he didn't draft him. So, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, I I liked him a lot. But you know, kind of my concern is that. First of all, this kind of shows up, right? He's only ever thrown either above 100 passer rating or below 70, right? That's That's been his career whenever he's had a game with more than 10 passes. Um, and I think that the issue is, you know, he makes decisions really quickly, which is nice. I forget what his time to throw. It was like 2.44. It was crazy. It was yes, good. it's really, yeah. Um, but, um, you know, he makes decisions really quickly. But I think that if you kind of know what his decision tree is, I think he's probably boned. Uh, and I think that's why you see like a lot of volatility in terms of, you know, his high level performances, his low level performances, because it's not like he doesn't have tools like a lot of these guys do, don't, you know, he has them. But when he makes these quick decisions, sometimes he's not, you know, double checking or triple checking, you know, he doesn't see the linebacker underneath or whatever it is. Right. And so if you kind of know what that offense is supposed to be doing based off of what you're seeing, 
you can kind of jump routes or you can disrupt receivers and you can disrupt timing. And, you know, I don't know how good he is when he gets to his third read, right. Which um, based off of the limited stuff I've seen from him is not spectacular. And so that's kind of, you know, if he's going to improve as a quarterback and hopefully he will, you know, that's where he's going to have to improve, um, you know, especially as, as teams get more comfortable with disguises and stuff like that, you know, you might bring back stuff like zone blitzes, you know, I know teams have gone away from that a lot now, but um, you might bring back stuff like zone blitzes just to kind of confuse his read and, and, you know, create, you know, there's really fun defensive tackle interceptions everyone get, you know, raves about and stuff like that. So that that's, I think kind of where, you want to be is, is you want to present a front that, you know, he's an experienced quarterback at this point um, with 150,000 throws. Right. But <laughs> um, the opposite of Trey Lance, who's like, what, like 10 career throws. Literally. In 10, yeah. literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I like to bag on the NDSU guys a lot. Uh, no, it's kind of, of course. A local regional thing here, but, um, but yeah, I mean, he had like 300 throws in uh, throughout his entire college career. Now he's not even you know playing in the NFL. It's, probably the fewest throws any quarterback has had entering their second or entering the third year of the NFL. Um, you know, Mike White is the opposite, but I, I still think that despite that, um, it is, it's, it's maybe not trivial, but it, it wouldn't be difficult to present him with a bunch of different complex looks that would uh, really screw things up. Um, he does have good fundamentals, so he does reset well under pressure, but pressure will still, you know, put him off platform. And I think once he's off platform, you know, that's where you see kind of these throws, fly off a little bit but i mean i like him a lot you know finding ways to beat him i'm talking about all the negatives but i i think that he is a a, a nice quarterback to have in your roster yeah look I, I think they're in a spot where can they split these next two weeks if they can split these next two weeks you get jackson I and mean, you get jacksonville detroit in the course of five days you likely find yourself at 10 and 5 playing a terrible seattle defense and a terrible miami defense like the jets the best other than the buffalo defense who will now be without von miller they're going to face pretty soft defenses here the next five weeks outside of at least statistically like EPA per play wise for pass defenses. Like they're not facing very good pass defense the next five weeks. And um, I just think that he's kind of the grown up they kind of need in the, in, in the lineup right now. Um, I think Zach Wilson's playing and I don't think it's disrespecting him anyway. I think the Jets know this twice playing the Jets would be praying to get, through, you know, splitting three and three of these next six. I think with Mike, what you're hoping, can we go four and two? And we went yeah. 11 games and we're comfortably in the playoffs. Um, I guess that's, we kind of, you know, hinted on a bunch of this stuff, this matchup, where do you kind of see this going? Because um, we've talked a little bit about the Jets defensive line versus the Vikings offensive line. I think, you know, the Vikings have two edge rushers that if they can put their, you know, imprint, like imprint on this game and, and speed Mike White up as well, get him off platform, as you mentioned, you know, Minnesota will do, you know, very well. They likely could turn him over. Um, a few times, which Buffalo did a year ago. Obviously, they talked about today. His feet were, you know, his lower half was too sped up, and you know, you can always use that that type of stuff. There's a different Jets team. All that stuff's fine, but I think it comes down to pretty clearly the offensive defensive lines on both sides. Like, who's going to protect their guy and get more pressure? Because as great as Justin Jefferson is, as great as Garrett Wilson could be, and you know, like quarterback can't get them the ball it just it doesn't really matter and like none of that's relevant because we we've seen it happen so where are you kind of at with this game and you know this matchup overall I guess yeah I mean I I do want it to be a, a Justin Jefferson uh sauce Gardner game I mean I, I'm sure the Vikings will try to make sure that's not the case but um just just as, as somebody who likes to watch football I like to see how that goes um but yeah I, I think that that matchup up front is going to be pretty critical um whether or not the Vikings can get pressure against, um, I would say probably an overperforming offensive line for the Jets, given 
was it two entries, right? Because it's also uh, Mickey Becton as well as ABT. Yeah. Um, and George uh, Fan. And, and George Fan, right? <laughs> Can't forget about George Fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I I think that very likely the Vikings will have to adjust kind of what they're doing defensively and disrupt receiver timing, play a lot less off covers than they've been playing over the past couple of weeks. And in order to, to get that extra half second of time and to, to rush the passer, because um, especially with a quarterback that gets rid of the ball as quickly as White does, I think that you want to force him to hesitate, force him to get off his read, force him to uh, not be able to use the anticipation that he has uh, in you know sneaking the ball behind a linebacker or a crosser or something like that um and and find a way to to hit him or get to him so um that matchup up front will be really important but i do think the timing of the receivers on both teams uh is going to play a pretty substantial role you know gardner does like to play a lot of press and so if you do have jefferson up against gardner you're testing one of the best releases in the nfl against you know what seems to be one of the better press i hope we get it like one or two times like a really like legit jets are in man on third down justin jefferson's not running his own beating route like i want to just like I know it's probably asking, you know, it's asking for you know, right. No, chaos, yeah, yeah. but I, I just it. like, it would love to be, it would really cool, be cool to see two or three legit sauce for Justin Jefferson matchups. Yeah, and I'm sure we got both. one, we got one yeah. sauce Jamar Chase one and it was awesome. Yeah. And Jamar Chase got pissed and it was, it was cool. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure both of them are chomping at the bit for it. Right. So I, I'm sure just to throw him a bone, Justin Jefferson's going to get a couple of those reps, but uh, for the, I mean, the Vikings want to win, right? So yeah, they, they gotta balance them. Yeah, yeah. So they'll, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. But I think, yeah, a lot of that's going to depend on like receiver timing, and uh, you know, the edge rusher tackle matchup, or there anything else. I mean, the Vikings will probably get victimized in the, in the tackle guard matchup. Uh, but uh, for the most part, I, I think that you know, kind of whether or not your edge rushers can get there is going to be a, a big element of the game. Yeah, I'm gonna. I don't have to give a prediction. I'm gonna ask you want to if you want to give one right now. I'm leaning. You know. I'm leaning towards the Jets winning this game. And this is not me being biased. I don't always pick the Jets on this because I, I just think like I'd be doing a disservice to, you know, the few people that listen now. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm i thinking this is a 28-24 type of game. Um, I don't think the Jets defense is – I think Jets defense is good enough to hold Minnesota in, in, the, in the low 20s. Um, it's can the Jets score enough. And I just feel like can you get the one or two big Garrett Wilson plays? Can you – you know, get a couple, you know, Mike LaFleur did a good job last week of not emptying any of the trick plays that he normally is a big, you know, the reverses and the triple passes. And, you know, they kind of ran pretty basic, like seven on seven type stuff. It felt like, and I guess you could do that when the bears just sit in two shell the entire game. But <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's kind right, of no. Matt, e- Matt Eberflus, who I like, yeah. I like the hire, but you kind of can't just run the same defense over and over again. Uh, people figure you out as people figured out the Colts every year at the end of the year in the last couple of years. Um, so where, where are you at with a, a potential prediction? Then I'm going to ask you one or two other uh, kind of general NFL questions. Yeah, um, this one is difficult because if you matched up, you know, the roster against the roster and you listed all the players best to worst, right? Um, you know, maybe at the top one or two, you can quibble over who's better, but you get to five, six, seven, eight, you know, the Jets are better, I think, you know. Um, but the quarterback position matters so much. It just matters so much that that's just not how you evaluate football rosters. And I think that the Vikings just have a better quarterback. Um, and uh, what is it? The Vikings were favored by, I think, what, three I think points? Three, or something like yeah, that? three yeah. points, yeah. Um, I took the Vikings, uh, so uh, I'm just going to stick with that as my prediction. They'll win by some amount over three. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's the, the quarterback matchup matters a lot to me. I think that um, Justin Jefferson is 
probably a better receiver than Sauce Gardner as a cornerback, but that's probably not going to matter either way. Um, and uh, and and I like kind of the the weapons, especially now that TJ Hawkinson is kind of more online. The weapons the Vikings have available to them and how they match up. So I'll I'll take the Vikings, even though I just spent a, a, all this time complimenting the Jets and talking about all these matchups the Jets could win because the, the quarterback is king. Uh, yeah. And uh, and 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 right now, you know, I I like White, but I I just I need to to see a little bit more in in situations with a bit more duress uh, for me to kind of trust him in that situation. Yeah, no, um, I I think this is kind of those games where it's this is a one possession game. I just would be really shocked if this is. Yeah, Vikings. if one of the teams ran away with it, it would be. Yeah, it'd it'd be, be really. Be, if this yeah. is thirty four twenty one way or the other, it's going to be like a last minute, you know, weird right. cover from from somebody. I want to get two kind of quick NFL questions. You know, we kind of joked about Darren Rodgers, you know, to the Jets thing, and if you had to put your money on one guy playing one of these veterans playing quarterback for the Jets next year, because we're let's just going to assume that at this point, Zach Wilson and Mike White are not realistically the guy, but maybe we'll, maybe I'll be wrong. Um, do you foresee it being like more of the Derek Carr level guy where it's like, you know, he could get caught and he's kind of in that Kirk realm where you're never really sure how good he is right. or how good he's yeah. not. Yeah. Um, or is it more like the, the Minshew Jared Goff Brissette guy. That's like, let's kind of see if we can, get through this year yeah, that I, would be so boring i'd be, be so i'd be that's so disheartening I, i'm yeah. not sure i could deal with that <laughs> yeah right it was like you know like giving a 16 year old the keys to a ferrari right yeah it's brutal <laughs> yeah. these guys are only gonna get better too that's the part of yeah, the problem yeah exactly it's such a young good roster um i so uh, again i was i was on a podcast the other day uh pro football network's podcast with um with with trey wingo i dropped that name so i can get more people to listen to it but yeah, of course uh, yeah but uh one of the things that we brought up was uh was whether or not you know the packers should play uh jordan love you know and i, I think that they should there's a bunch of reasons to one of them is that they can showcase jordan love and or figure out if they want him and if they want him if they want to keep him long term you know they'd be able to trade aaron Rodgers. and it is just too good to just drop aaron Rodgers onto the jets roster like not only is there a similarity in offense and, you know, no one's going to be able to do more homework than Mike LaFleur on Matt LaFleur's quarterback. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it gives you the receivers, the kinds of receivers that Rogers likes to trust. It gives you an offensive line that once they're healthy, Rogers is used to working behind. He's used to working behind really excellent offensive line. Um, and, you know, he likes working with teams that do have a commitment to a run game. And, you know, the jets obviously, you know, have that right. Plus, there's kind of the narrative thing, you know, Brett Favre was traded to the Jets. He, you know, collapsed in December, I think after an injury. It wasn't entirely. Yeah, Torres Bicep week yeah. 13, they were eight and three. They went to Seattle, Torres Bicep and lost five straight games. Yeah, so Rodgers could do what Brett Favre couldn't. I feel like that's, you know. <laughs> it's kind of the story of his career. And, yeah, and then eventually, you know, Rodgers will come to the Vikings and it's all hunky-dory, right? And then but, eventually yeah. he'll steal a bunch of money from poor people and. And yeah, I know exactly. Full circle. Get, you know, get under several federal investigations at once. And for anyone who uh, says I don't mention Brett Favre stuff, there you go. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, but yeah, I mean, um, that would be kind of the ideal scenario. But for that to happen, the Packers would both have to play Jordan Love and also do the unthinkable and trade away um, Rogers. But I, that 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 seems like the ideal scenario. I think that otherwise you're. You're probably going to get a Jimmy or or a Derek because I think if I'm the Jets, I this roster is too good. It's just too good. I would, I would hate to, to, 
you know, like try and get a quarterback with like the 25th pick or whatever. Right. And like, if you put Kenny Pickett on this roster right now, like there's your, there's no, right. There's no difference, right? Like you're not, and, and Anthony Richardson, those guys, you know, obviously everyone that follows the draft knows the consensus, but like, yeah, that stuff, those guys, maybe that's something you take, you know, Michael Penix in round whatever, two, three, four, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And you just say, like a Will Levis or something. Yeah. You, you're just like, don't, you're not going to play football for two years. Like you're whatever. And that's yeah. what the Packers have done with Jordan Love, which like it did make sense in the long run. It's just Rogers stayed a lot longer than I think people maybe realized or thought they were going to happen. I will, I mean, look, I, I don't think any Jets fan, any sane Jets fan that doesn't hate Rogers politics would be happy that he, if he was, you know, a Jet next year. I don't know how the, the financials work. I don't even know what Rogers' compensation, like what you would even trade for Rogers at this point. Like, I know he hasn't played well this year. The team stinks and he's had a broken thumb on his throwing hand. I don't think he's been super engaged. I think like yeah. this offseason was totally time to move on. He probably should have gone to Denver with Nathaniel Hackett. There's a lot of dominoes. Russell Wilson just sucks. So, that, that's yeah, I, I guess fine. I guess the one thing is that Aaron Rodgers might have to confront the 9-11 goblins. Yeah, right? I was going to say, maybe that wasn't, maybe he's like torpedoing his value, but like, you're not going to come to New York and deny 9-11. That's like not <laughs> probably, not probably it's like, not the it's like best Kaepernick idea. Kaepernick and, and yeah. Miami, right? Yeah, they're not, not, not the best, you know, don't, be, don't bring up Fidel Castro in Miami and like expect Fireman that this Ed is, yeah. storm the field, you know? <laughs> It'd be livid. Um, I want to ask you quickly too about just, you know, the way this AFC shakes out because... Um, the NFC, I think it's pretty clear. At least to me, it's like there's – I don't know if Vikings fans don't like this. I think they're probably four. I think to me it's Philly, Dallas, and, and San Francisco are the two three, – or the three best probably teams are most likely to go to the Super Bowl, I think. There's not many Vikings fans who actually disagree with that. No, no, I was going to say because yeah. I think it's pretty – like I think San Fran's the best team. I think Philly – Philly may be their best roster, but I think San Fran's – I just wouldn't want to play them ever. Um, the AFC is like nine teams for seven spots. I guess you could, who do you think is the seven teams that get in from the AFC? Because it feels like, you know, tonight, again, tonight's really big Buffalo, New England wise. There's a lot of tiebreakers. There's a lot of different stuff. If the chargers were healthy, at least personally, I I think they would make it, but they're the chargers and they're not healthy. So I don't (laughs) see them making it. And I think new England's schedule is just too difficult. Um, Not sure how the seating shake out. There's too many other games to go, but how do you think, how do you think the AFC shakes out? And am I crazy that it's those three teams in the NFC? Yeah. You know, what's really funny is I think I saw, someone write that the if the Jaguars win they actually control their destiny which is crazy yeah because they still have somehow they can still get in yeah uh and so um because they still have two games against the titans if they just they win they like which is just wild to me but i don't don't that'd actually be kind of cool i'm not gonna lie i I mean it would be and i'd I'd rather watch the jaguars than the titans in the playoffs 100 100 um but you know for now I'm, i'm gonna say it's you know it's probably the titans uh I think the Bengals take it uh, away from the Ravens in the AFC North. I think that, you know, obviously the Chiefs are, are you know, the dominant in the AFC West. And then the AFC East, I think, was it last week? Uh, if the, you know, the season ended at that moment, all the AFC East teams would have made the playoffs. Um, I don't think the Patriots make it. And so it's, you know, Dolphins, probably both Bills and Jets. And then you're tried, trying to figure out whether or not it's the Chargers or the Ravens, I think, from there. And, um, the, the Ravens are giving up leads like they're the Chargers, right? So it's it's kind of difficult to, to figure out, you know, who, who it's going to be. But I, I guess probably the Chargers um, are doing a better job kind of retaining who they are as an offense and a defense um, as they as they suffer through these injuries. And the Ravens, it feels like they're flailing. Very uncharacteristic of the team, but that's, that's what they are right now. So that's probably how I see the AFC shaking out. 
Um, it'd be really difficult for me to see the Patriots making uh, a run at this point. You know, that's kind of the like uh, what the Patriots defense, you know, was I think when the Vikings played them with, with the number one defense in the NFL. And to me, they were not as intimidating as, as the Jets defense or the Dallas defense, because the Patriots did everything against teams that were one dimensional. Right. I was going to say three of those games were Sam Ellinger and Zach Wilson twice. It does inflate. Right. Every number. Yeah. You, you stop, you stop. Um, I don't even know if Jonathan Taylor was, was healthy. For no, I didn't play either. Yeah. And it was in New England. <laughs> yeah. So, so like you stop whatever the Colts have remaining, you stop DeAndre Swift and the lions, you stop Nick Chubb and the Browns, you stop, um, you know, Zach Wilson, Kenny Pegg, or Mitch Trubisky yeah. and the Steelers. It's yeah. A lot and, of and, and so the, the, the Patriots defense only ever did well when there was one threat, right. Or zero in the case of the Colts. Right. Yeah. Which bill always takes away your, your best yeah, threat exactly. and makes you do everything else. Yeah, and it was the multi-dimensional teams, like even the Packers, right? Were able to score some points. That's not what the Jets are. The Jets are a defense that can take away multiple threats from doing it against teams that are better situated. And so, um, because I just don't see the Patriots riding their defense into additional wins, and so um, it's it's like you said, you know, the the, the game tonight is going to matter a lot. But to me, you know, in some order at the top, it's the Bills and the Jets and, and the Dolphins, right? I'd say probably the Dolphins, but you know. Um, tough. Uh, and uh, and from there, you have to choose between basically the Chargers and, and like I said, the Ravens. And the Ravens just aren't doing it for me. Yeah, I, no, I, I, I like Lamar almost more than any other of these guys, too. I want to see him in the playoffs again, but not yeah. doing it for me. Or you can see Lamar as a Jet. That's the ultimate. Hey, that's there, the ultimate. Yeah, there it is. There that's it the is. ultimate. I, I'm, I, I've always, we've joked, I've joked about this. I texted with some people that are in the NFL and I said like what what's the package that what are the Jets would they have to give up to get yeah. Lamar because Lamar in New York would be an absolute <laughs> star and they're like at least three ones multiple threes and probably DJ Reed and somebody else or someone of that level and I was like right. so, you, so you do it like yeah you do okay. you do yeah. the trade all right uh, he's That's... 25 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was going to say they're a 15 win team with Lamar. Like, I don't know. Yeah, how else to right. do that. I was not sure what else to tell you. Imagine a read option with Lamar and Brees Hall. Holy crap. All that speed. Uh, that, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I, mean, I, I can't, I can't do that to myself. Um, no, that would be, that'd be exceptional. Um, no, it'd be exceptional, but look, I, like we, like you said, I, I think the, this is going to be an interesting couple of weeks. This is the most fun time of the year for me, December football, being able to like for both, I mean, obviously you're covering the whole league, but having all these different kind of newer teams, it feels like a little bit in the mix here. And mm-hmm. then there's not other than the chiefs, really like this alpha team in the NFL where it's like, even the Eagles, you know, the Eagles are really good, but they haven't been a perennial 14 win team. Like it's been a good oh, era. Yeah. It's been and a good era, but it's not. And everyone expected the world of the bills and the bills have been very good, but they've definitely faltered. Right. So, yeah, it's just, yeah. so it'll be interesting, but obviously um, you know, appreciate coming on. Hopefully we, we get a good football game on Sunday. Um, you know, make sure you're following Arif on Twitter. Um, what are we at now with, what are we at now with Twitter, uh, Twitter handles? It's just your, it's just, I saw it hates Turkey before. So I'll, I can't, I can't change it, man. They won't let me change it. I think it's Arif Hassan NFL uh, it is, for like yeah. an actual, for an actual tag. You know, you yeah. do a great job, you know, kind of while you're writing and, and stuff over at, you know, Pro Football Network. Obviously you mentioned the pod with, with Trey Wingo and, and that type of stuff. So you know, make sure you guys are uh, make sure you guys are tuned into that, and you know, make sure everyone enjoys uh, enjoys Kirk Cousins, Mike White, uh, basically Brady versus Peyton uh, reincarnated. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> you know? Perfect, man. Thanks.